you know, what bankers hate more than everything is financing operating losses. And for that same reason, um, you should too, as a small business owner. Um, those, those dollars don't come back. They, they can't be spent later on um, rehiring people or replenishing your inventory that you've diminished because you had to go into a tough time. Hey everybody, welcome to the Small Business Storytellers. This podcast is for you if you see business as a tool for making the world a better place. My name is Seth Silvers, I'll be your host, and one of my biggest passions is learning from businesses who are growing without losing their authenticity. On season two, we're learning about how to thrive in times of crisis, as we learn from businesses who have been impacted by the coronavirus pandemic. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode. Let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Small Business Storytellers podcast. Uh, for those of you that are just jumping into season two, um, this is a unique season because uh, we are sharing the stories of businesses that are being impacted by the coronavirus pandemic. And I just think that it's really important that we know what is going on um, in the local business world and how you know global situations like this are impacting us. And so uh, today I am with my good friend, Kurt Bear. How are you doing today, Kurt? Yeah, I'm great, Seth. Thank you. Good. Uh, for those of you that don't know Kurt, I think it's episode two. I think it's episode two that Kurt, uh, we, sh- we dive into Kurt's story. Um, and it's a great episode uh, to this date, one of our top listened to episodes. I think it's titled when, uh, when, you, when your side hustle becomes your main hustle. And that goes into the story of Loco Think Tank. And so, um, Kurt, just give us uh, some context for who you are and what you do for those that are not familiar with who Kurt Bear is. Sure. Thanks. And, and uh, yeah, appreciate being on today, Seth. Um, Loco Think Tank is, is our business, of course. And the premise is, is that small business owners can meet together um, in person, historically, on a monthly basis and process the challenges and opportunities they face. Um, peer advisory is the general industry of what we do. And, and our model is kind of special in that we have now uh, uh, seven different retired or mostly retired business veterans, each of whom manages a single chapter. So um, Loco Think Tank does the work of finding members and all of the billing and administration, uh, the, the yucky stuff to these uh, retired, generally relatively wealthy small business operators. And then they get the really kind of joyful experiences of managing a chapter, engaging one-on-one with our members and helping them to learn all the fundamentals and some of the, the finer points of running a really good business, building a great team, having a great culture. Um, and it's not the facilitators that drive that, but really the members learning from each other with the, the guiding hand of that facilitator. So um, that's Loco Think Tank. We've got uh, eight chapters in Fort Collins. Um, and, uh, you know, we've been growing and, uh, now we're, you know, looking ahead to potentially shrinking. A lot of our members have been pretty severely impacted by this. So I hope that kind of gave a good grounding. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the thing I love about what Kurt does is he really provide loco think tank. I feel like it provides a confidential and healthy environment for business owners to be able to process issues and what they're going through. And stuff, and that's something a lot of business owners don't have. They don't have a safe place uh, to talk about challenges they're facing with people that 
actually have a level of understanding of those challenges. So I think that's great about what you do. That speaks to, uh, you know, our, we, it's a non-competitive group and everybody's uh, very vulnerable with each other. And uh, we say it's two parts business, one part personal, because it's hard in small business to separate it. But um, we're proud of the forums that we create culture within our chapters, each of which is yeah. a little different. So anyway, thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. And this episode is a little bit unique because we're not going to focus on uh, Loco Think Tank and, you know, necessarily how this is impacting Loco Think Tank as much. Um, but I wanted to bring Kurt on because, uh, Kurt, you know, you, you're you pretty aware, like, you know your members well. And you have, um, you know, what is it, 70 or 80 members? Yeah, we're about 75 today. Okay, so about 75 businesses that you um, are kind of connected to. And, you know, these people, they know you and you know them. And, you know, not that you know exactly how this is impacting every one of them and stuff, but um, I wanted to bring you on to kind of get a pulse on how is this crazy thing, the coronavirus pandemic, impacting local businesses? <coughs> Excuse me. Well, I guess first off, you know, everybody is impacted somewhat. Um, and because of, you know, working from home elements or, you know, just purely lack of any customers in some cases or being physically closed, forced to closed in some cases. So it's a, across the board, a navigation, um, but like everything, there's, there's winners and losers. And so some of our businesses are actually having their best year ever. And it looks poised to continue that way based on their industry and what they do is maybe something that's even magnified the demand of. Um, others are more stable uh, and just kind of steady as she goes. And then probably at least 40% are, are significantly suffering or they are looking forward to significantly suffering soon once their current uh, kind of backlog of work dries up. So, so uh, at really close to half of our members are considering layoffs and uh, probably depending on how this plays out, I would say 10 to 20% of our members may be forced out of business at least um, season uh, based on conditions here and, and how, depending on how long this lasts. Of course, the, the, the service industries, um, hotels, restaurants, uh, maid service agencies, things like that are very severely affected right now. Yeah, and so at the time, don't want to get this too political um but it seems like people it seems like the conversation about the virus is including politics more and more so um and you're somebody who's fairly i, I would say knowledgeable and you know you know you you know what you believe in stuff but you also can have dialogue about other things and so right now when we're recording this which is march 24th there's a lot of conversation around um is the cost is the cost of the cure greater than the cost of the virus? Is the, and, cure, is the cure worse than the poison? Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> and I don't. I have zero desire to debate that and debate which yeah. side or what the right thing is. But um, help, like, give us some perspective for if this thing lasts a long time, um, what what might happen to local businesses and towns and you know what might be some of the long-term effects if you know this does continue to go downhill for several months oh yeah it, you know not just local business Seth it's uh 
the whole economy, if this continues for months of, of, of virtually shelter in place, the economy is kind of like a balloon where the money that's spent at one place re-circles around and gets spent elsewhere. So when you've got, you know, tons of people unemployed at 47% or 60% of their income, they're not buying iPads or phones. They're not going out drinking, you know, and it's, it's so, so it's months of, of, Pain. Yeah, I'm still I'm still getting paid, but I've spent significantly less money in the last two weeks. Right, already, already. Yeah. So that that deflationary effect. So, you know, I'm, you you don't know this, or your listeners don't, but I'm an economics guy as my my undergrad education, and uh, kind of my if I have a soapbox, it's it's uh, unintended consequences of policy decisions, hmm. and so. I don't know. I, I don't want to. Yeah, I'm not political at all. I wonder to myself sometimes if it would be easier to keep vulnerable people away and just carry on and fight through it uh, otherwise and, and let the wave pass. Uh, but I'm not medically trained and I'm not the decider and it's sure hard to, to see people die. But yeah. we will, in my estimation, if this goes on for months, um, you know, we'll see 20 to 25 percent unemployment and significant significant economic traction and and the big guys the facebook's the google the apples are not immune you know the amazons mm -hmm. maybe because they're gonna stuff online instead of um you know people going into retail stores if they're still continuing fear right. so um but it's gonna i mean it's gonna start hitting facebook like you know as oh, soon yeah. as these huge as soon as the fortune 500 companies you know as soon as their supply chains get broken their products aren't being bought as often you know they're gonna start cutting the hundreds of millions of dollars that they spend in advertising to facebook to google which is gonna trickle down right and then those those two hundred thousand dollar year employees that get laid off from apple and google are gonna be fighting for the fifty thousand dollar jobs that are out there and things mm -hmm. like that so we're going to see a significant deleveraging and contraction, I think. And, uh, but, you know, with, with testing comes strengthening. And so yeah. already seeing that in a lot of my members, there's a lot of hopefulness for, you know, we can do to bend our business model to get through this time and then to serve people going forward. I, I do think the underlying economy has a lot of desire for people to build and grow and do things and, um, so we'll see, I guess, yeah. is what I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know the answer to that, where, where it goes from here, but there's a lot of ways it can play out. Uh, right. I'm praying, frankly, that, that, uh, we find a, a near-term treatment or solution that can allow the, the flow of liberty back into our world. I, I really fear what governments around the world will do with these newfound and flexed powers of human control and tracking and things like that. I'm, I'm not a tinfoil hat guy necessarily always, but I do have one and I keep it, you know, <laughs> I can pick up the signals from time to time and I don't like what I'm hearing with yeah. to how this is going to impact our world. Right. <laughs> well, no, and I appreciate you saying that. And I, I wanted to kind of go, I wanted to talk on this episode a little bit about just what could happen so that if anybody's out there, saying like, oh, it's not that bad or it hasn't really affected me yet. Um, I think that we all kind of need to have a, I think there's a healthy dose of just wait, 
um, that we probably all need to have of recognizing that if things don't change fairly quickly, then, and you're fortunate enough to not be directly impacted yet, it's going to come, but I want it. or go ahead. No, I was just going to say, hold, wait for it, you know? Yeah. yeah wait for it. But I'd like to talk more about the, the recommendation side The what are you seeing um, as far as innovation or things that people are doing or things that businesses are doing? Um, because, you know, it's, all you have to do is open up your computer or your phone to see people talking about, you know, what could happen and how long this could last and what if this and what if that. But I'd love for this episode to really talk about um, what can business owners do to, you know, maybe mitigate a little bit, uh, maybe yeah. minimize a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah, fair. And I, I think I'd come to it from a, from a two-pronged approach, at least from what I've just been thinking as you formed the question. You know, one is how do we change how we do business? You know, and that's the remote work. Okay, re remote work is great. How do we all stay on the same page? I think, you know, having consistency in meeting times and, and for those working from home that have never done it, you know, uh, don't work in your bathrobe, but like be a pro mm -hmm. about, you know, setting up systems and times and check-ins, you know, getting familiar with those kind of, platforms and, and then also the physical security of people with essential businesses that um you know need to keep their staff healthy and so in some cases it's you know this half of the staff is going to stay home and work remotely but the, the actual production stuff certainly needs to get done so we're going to switch right. back and forth you know back and you know and keep part of our populations healthy so that if we get sick people still don't know how to fulfill the, the needs and the demands um, you're seeing a lot of that, obviously, with the emergency services and firefighters and medical personnel, you know, protecting their health first. Mm -hmm. So thing for your key people and key operations. Um, and then there's the, 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 the financial side. You know, that's my background, economics and then banking. Um, for 15 years, I was a small business banker and, you know, a lot of people felt like I was pretty good at that. And... Um, what i what i've told folks at a, at a webinar last week i'll repeat here is that you know what bankers hate more than everything is financing operating losses and for that same reason um you should too as a small business owner um those those dollars don't come back they, they can't be spent later on um rehiring people or replenishing your inventory that you've diminished because you had to go into a tough time. So, so that though, I, I, I think I heard the phrase, you know, but I love my people um, or I love this, this staffer that, that ultimately doesn't have anything to do with mm -hmm. what's remaining of my business operation. Right. They got to go. Like, unfortunately, you know, there's, there's some, out there in terms of unemployment i know there's a time gap it's you know up to employers to really navigate how and if they can support somebody financially through that time but people have people you know they have parents sometimes that they might have to lean on for a little while to get through a gap or whatever but the most important thing to me for a small business owner is to recognize that they're a steward of their business and that you know, if they let their business get weakened to the point of death because they're trying to take care of others, you know, it's kind of like the, the, the oxygen mask on the airplane, right? Like you have to stop funding operating losses. If you're a small business owner, you have to 
get out of that cycle as soon as you possibly can and figure out what my new business model is. Some people are going to face, you know, I've heard anywhere from, from 30 to 90% weekly revenue reductions um, in, some, in, in many, in those half of the businesses that are suffering some, it's already showing up. And so if that's 90, you know, that may be you and one key staff for cleaning all the houses that are actually still having people come to clean, even if it's legal to do so, nobody's got people invited into their home or, or whatever, or if you're a, you know, a, anyway, so, so depending on what your model is, what your, your, so cash flow modeling, you, you got to take that budget that you set up at the beginning of the year and you have to bend it like Beckham starting in March, April. Yeah. Here. And, and, you know, plan on what you would do if you had a 30%, a 50%, a 70% reduction in, in revenues, because that way, when you hit those markers, if you hit those markers, if this thing kind of continues to deflate and people are locked in and can't buy your stuff, um, what then do I do? And, and obviously, sorry, I'm keeping on waxing on here, but preservation of cash is critical. So talking to those landlords, those note holders, those suppliers that um, want to keep selling you stuff after you survive this and the, the, the sheep is off of the fan, mm-hmm. you know, relying on them to, to let you slow pay them for a while so that when things are back up in operation, you've got some cash left to, to hire some people to do the things that you do. So, so preservation of cash and, and ceasing the funding of operating losses. It's, it's your job, Mr. And Mrs. Business Owner, Miss yeah. uh, to, to not print a bunch of red ink because otherwise you'll die. And too hard to start businesses to let a bunch of it. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to somebody today about this, about how like it's kind of, um, you know, there's for a lot of people, they're in two bad situations. Uh, you know, do I hold on to my staff to keep paying them so that they feel more secure in this time? But you know, potentially that puts us in a place where we're um, out of cash or maybe going yeah. further into debt to do that. Um, and then potentially, you know, two months down the road, nobody has a job. You don't have a job. You don't have a business. And the other option is, you know, furlough or lay people off or cut those expenses so that hopefully you can survive this. And once you survive, then you're still a business that can create jobs and stuff. So it's like neither option is good, but on, you know, in a news article, it's easy to say, Oh my gosh, I, like they laid off their people. Why could they not hold on to them? Why could they not give them benefits? Why could they not do this and do this and do right. this? But when you look at it from a business owner's perspective on paper, it's like the goal is to survive this so that we can continue to create jobs once we're on the other side. And there's, there's no easy way to get there. But it's, it, I mean, it, it kind of does come down to the lesser of two evils. For sure. And, and it's not even a decision once you know all the facts, in my opinion. As, as heartless as that sounds, and, I, and you know me, I have a lot of love for people as individuals, and I don't want to see anybody suffer ever. Uh, but, like, if we just imagine, like, a restaurant, you know, it might have rent of 10 or 12 or something thousand a month and then staff of 30,000 a month or 40,000 a month, you know, and if the machine doesn't work, there's no restaurateur hardly around that can cover 50,000 a month in expenses while they're forced to be closed. Mm-hmm. And they really shouldn't borrow it. Right. Either, you know, if they have to borrow a little bit so that they can be liquid enough to reopen when they're allowed to reopen, 
that's one thing, but maybe they can only bridge that storm by laying everybody off. And, and uh, you know, it's kind of one of those, I'm sorry, but I have to do this thing. And that's not to, to like bring local think tank forward, but that's one of the ways that local think tank pays for itself, even in good times, is helping owners see when somebody is misfitted for a role, even though they care for that person, but it's, it's a stumbling block to you continuing to grow your business. Well, in this case, you know, too many staff is a stumbling block to being able to, to stay alive. And I'm sorry, and I, some of you I was ready to let go anyway, and some of you I, I love like my, my children almost, or my right. members, but I have to. So you mentioned that this is gonna change how we do business. How do you think this is, you know, how do you think it, that, uh, business is going to be done differently after this season. You know, I think, gosh, there's so many spiders I could chase out of that web. But um, yeah, I've been, I've been the the psychology and communications piece of me has been like kind of nerding out at just being curious at how things are going to be different after this season of doing things differently for weeks or months or whatever it is. Yeah, you know, obviously the the remote work thing is going to be um, significantly amplified as companies realize how they can do, now do this. Um, so to me, real estate is going to be adjusted. You know, large offices are probably going to see pressure on occupancies and stuff, both from, you know, layoffs and things that were forced and people recognizing that, hey, I don't need this big expensive office with all the property taxes associated with it and HOA fees and blah, 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 blah. So, so that element, there's going to be a lot of uh, changes there. Um, I imagine that there's going to be a, a significant, I don't know what, probably this is tinfoil hat guy, but probably a, a global travel registration based on if you've gotten your, immunizations and things like that you know the a step toward more one world kind of processes controls or and or a di division of the world um and and approach to protectionism because of all the supply chain mm -hmm. and both of those things are kind of the same thing right like you you get to be a global citizen or you don't get to be a global citizen but this kind of freelancer traveler bum kind of thing, global citizen is probably a lot more difficult, at least if your shots aren't up to speed. Um, yeah. And sure. then just the, the focus on on development of, of supply chains uh, that aren't interrupted when other people face crises and stuff like yeah. that. So so there's, there's a lot of factors involved. There's probably gonna be a lot of manufacturing move to America from China, which is gonna hurt them, which I think ultimately this, probably will be looked back as the spark that sets off conflict with China, maybe Iran, Russia, maybe some of the South American nations that are affiliated. I hope that's not true. And I hope that the forces of peace can prevail. But if I'm honest, I think that probably this is, this is likely to, to lead into uh, where either cyber or uh, proxy war between some of those economies you know china china's whole heart of their economy was copying american shit and then selling it to us right and not let them do that like they just right. wait for the edit required there yeah 
Yeah, it's uh, uh yeah, I've I've thought about a lot of those a lot of those things as well and I think um I think the remote thing is interesting because I do think there's going to be a lot of companies that realize like wait a second, this is possible. Um and stuff and so I think that's going to be really interesting to see it there's probably going to be some industries that were previously, you know, very anti-remote that maybe have been forced into it that realize, oh, we can we can probably yeah. do this and it probably cuts some overhead so that maybe we can use that overhead and create a reserve for if some kind of crap like this happens again. Totally. Totally. Or it's just more compensation for the owners, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then another thing I've thought of um, is, I, I mean, it sounds simple, but the, just the online revenue streams. And, um, mm. you know, I saw somebody, I saw a mom, uh, post on Facebook the other day of, uh, she said, um, you know, after this is all, after this is all said and done, restaurants aren't going to get a, be able to get away with saying that they don't do curbside delivery. Cause she's like a mom that has kids. So like right. when she orders food, like, and she has to go from her car to the restaurant. That means like, you know, you can't leave your kids in the car. So that means getting your kids out of their car seats to probably walk inside for 35 seconds. And so I think there's some, um, just some changes in processes that businesses are going to realize like, wait a second, we actually could, like, if we had a better takeout service, um, if we had a better delivery service, uh, you know, we could probably actually be making more money online. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what industries that are, that have kind of bolstered up making more money you know, virtually or online or takeout or different things like that, that realize like, wait, we should be putting a lot more effort into this. Yeah, no, I think Seth, that's pretty insightful. And I would, I would have to, you know, poke at the nanny state for having a place where you can't run inside Chili's yeah. for 30 seconds with your three small children in the car when it's locked and your keys are in your pocket, but whatever. Yeah. Um, anyway, I digress, but, but yeah, online revenue stream, um, those that even you're even seeing it right now with, you know, certain um, food businesses that had already kind of established either delivery or curbside or um, that kind of an element being less crushed by this than those that had to kind of start from scratch. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Uh, and I think there's a lot of businesses, Main Street America, um, you know, pretty much geographically between my office and your house smack dab in the middle is college avenue which is kind of the main street area for us and there's a lot of shops there that they don't they don't do crap online they require you know they rec they rely on people coming into their store and i think there's a lot of shops that for a long time have kind of said like you know we don't really need online or we don't need to focus on it or like you know we yeah. do just fine with this and so i'm curious if it'll cause some of those mom and pop traditionally main street stores to kind of reconsider uh putting some more of their time and investment and resources towards actually making money online i think so i think so although especially you know, th there's always going to be some people that don't change their ways well and it's it's like imagine you're a, a, a retail clothes boutique um and you carry lots of awesome stuff and it's, you know, different than the stuff you can buy at Target and Macy's and stuff like that. But the power of the internet is such that Amazon or somebody that doesn't have a retail business location is likely to be allowed for that at a lower price. 
And so at least for certain businesses, I think it's tough because their cost structure is such that you they kind of rely on that person that wants to touch the fabric and fall in love with it and say to their kids, I bought it in Port Collins when we were there visiting or whatever. So I think there's certainly some businesses that will struggle with that, although even those ones probably should do more uh, to at least have the infrastructure there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it'll be interesting to see, um, see what sticks and what changes once this all clears up. Um, well, and not to, like, as I, as I consider the question further, you know, my business has for six years been a convener of in-person meetings among smart, engaged business operators, you know, with that facilitator. Now it's a, it's digital meeting places um, with Zoom meetings and, you know, digital one-on-ones and things like mm-hmm. that. Our whole business model relied upon in a physical right. interaction. And I think that we're still viable. We'll see how they... Yeah. Yeah, I've been, I mean, there's a lot of people that I've wanted to, you know, get together with, catch up with, talk with, where I've said, all right, let's do a Zoom meeting. Um, and not that I don't love going and grabbing a beer and grabbing coffee. And, you know, there's, I do not think virtual beats face-to-face by any means, but even just realizing some of the, uh, the quickness and the efficiency and, and still like being like, oh, wait, that still worked pretty darn well to like reach yeah. out to somebody and be and it's like, wait, why aren't, why aren't I doing this more often with people and friends across the country? Like, why does it take this, this crazy yeah. situation to cause this? And so I've That's, even seen uh, some of the, like being forced to communicate virtually. It's caused me to realize like, I could probably do this. I could probably do this more often and schedule wise. It might, it might even be more efficient at times. I, that's uh, the message I heard from, from Rory, my staffer um, in our staff meeting yesterday was that, you know, she took this time to really have quite a few zoom calls and FaceTime calls and things like that to stay connected to people. And that, you know, interesting, you we had like 15 minutes to catch up before this, this meeting started you and I Seth and, our last time together was like 50 minutes and to a certain extent the the lack of distraction of having other people around to look mm-hmm. at you really focused on the person in front of you um but so anyway i don't yeah, like, yeah it, honest, it's interesting I really like to be around people i feel like that's totally. kind of nature of humans is to create yeah. that extroverts like me so yeah i agree but i do think I do think even once this all passes, I will be, um, I'll still do face-to-face when I can, but I think I'll be much quicker to reach out to somebody and say, hey, let's jump on a 30-minute Zoom call. Yeah. Yeah, now that I think about it, I'm tempted to, you know, the book time with me kind of thing. Maybe that the first uh, choice is a a Zoom call instead of a, a or whatever. So yeah. There's a probably a secondary impact from your last question. There we go. Second place type locations um, that are mostly for that kind of interaction may see a real suffering um, from that uh, element. It wouldn't shock me, although, you know, I I think the, a big part of me still thinks humans are more like ants in that we are kind of pathetic and (laughs) amazing when we're together. Yeah, it's probably true. So, uh, as we kind of bring this conversation to a close, 
share with me some silver linings, just some like little moments of like unexpected, like, wow. Like, cause I think everybody's been seeing these weird, there's, you know, it's so easy to talk about the negatives and how this is going crazy and stuff, but it also, I mean, initially our culture has been forced to hit pause in many ways um, and stuff. So what have, what's been some, whether it's business or personal, what's just been kind of some silver linings through this crisis for you? Silver linings. It's a, you know, I don't know them all yet. Usually I can see the silver linings uh, in the rear view, but you know, from what I've witnessed so far, certainly people's appreciation of one another, uh, those closest friendships and connections, I think has been enhanced. Um, I feel like there's been some unity among the, the, the left and the right, if you will. Um, and I'm a dirty libertarian, so I throw eggs at those parties. <laughs> but, um, you know, so I think there's maybe a little bit of, we'll see how that goes. You know, there's certainly a lot of being tossed right now. And, and there'll be more than um, a little bit of blame to go around, regardless of what the alternative would have been. Um, but I think just the, the amount that which people care for one another and so I think that uh, bending of perspectives uh, is probably been a silver lining as well. People can more easily maybe take a walk in somebody else's shoes than they've had to bend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was running the other day and I was like, and I've seen several people post about this, but like the running trails are being filled with chalk and like people going out there and kids going out there with chalk and just like, you know, drawing things, but also like I was running and there was uh, this one part in the trail where uh, there was messages all over that pretty much were like, you're going to get through this. Right. Like, you're not alone. Like, we can make it. Uh, be kind to those around you. And it was just really, really interesting. These moments of um, these moments where our community has kind of collectively came together and kind of said, hey, we're going to get through this. And, yeah. um, and that doesn't make the sucky situation any less sucky, but I think it's been, I think there's been some really beautiful moments. Do you want to grow an online brand that is profitable and authentic? Do you know that you have a ton of great ideas for content that you want to create, but you need accountability and strategy? Do you want to grow online, but online marketing just seems overwhelming? If your answer is yes to any of these questions, then I want to personally invite you to join our private marketing community, successwithstories.com. Success with Stories is the premier community for purpose-driven businesses committed to growing online by marketing with stories. Inside of successwithstories.com, you will learn how to create online content that converts, how to build a connection with your audience that outlasts any crisis. And most importantly, you're going to learn how to grow your business in a way that feels authentic to you. Honestly, right now in 2020, things are a bit crazy and unpredictable for all businesses. And so we think it's really important to show you how you can build a crisis-proof online brand. So head to www.successwithstories.com to join Success With Stories today. Don't wait another day. We'll see you inside of Success With Stories.